This morning I was sitting together having breakfast with my coworker that's a young volunteer from Germany who's 18 years old and he's helping us out in our monastery in the third district. And I said, you know, I, I'm supposed to pinch hit in the votive church this morning. What should I talk about? And because we had mass at our place yesterday for young people and the homily took 35 minutes. I think it was my absolute record. And I said, well, I can't do that in the votive church tomorrow because, well, you know, they'll, they'll throw tomatoes at me or something. And, and, he's, and he said, well, maybe that's precisely a good idea. Then you'll never have to go back there again and pinch shit. I mean, they'll never, never invite you again. But then on a serious note, we started thinking about what should we speak about? And then we, we kind of decided, or he decided for me, that I should speak about the opening prayer. And actually just about one word in that prayer. And it says the following, O God, by whom we have redeemed and received adoption, look graciously upon your beloved sons and daughters, etc., etc., that those who believe in Christ might receive true freedom. And so kind of the idea was, well, let's talk about or reflect upon together with you about, well, what is, what is true freedom? And, and maybe before we do that, to think about just briefly, what is not true freedom? And, and maybe then think of also a little bit about, well, how can we attain true freedom? So that's kind of the idea. I'm looking at the watch. When it goes over eight minutes, you start throwing something. So the idea is, or the first idea that came to me, well, what is true freedom not? And, you know, a lot of times I think out there in the world, freedom means you can do what you want. And that's, of course, true in a certain sense. But in a certain sense, it's also not true because we have certain limitations. For example, I can't speak Czech like Marketa this morning who read the second reading. I, I don't have that freedom. I might have it someday, right, if I learn it and really make an effort, but at the moment I don't have the freedom to speak Czech. And there's a lot of other limitations that we have. And if we start thinking about it, you know, if you start, well, okay, freedom means doing what you want and keeping all your possibilities open, well, does that really lead to f true freedom? For example, if I'm going to dinner tonight and I'm going to think, well, do I go to Burger King or do I go to McDonald's? No, do, I, do I decide for the Whopper or do I decide for the Big Mac? Or do I decide for the Italian food store or maybe for um, like the Wiener Stadtwald, um, Stadtwirt or something, like a Wiener Schnitzel? But if I'm constantly thinking, well, Big Mac, Whopper, Whopper, Big Mac, Big Mac, Whopper and never make a decision, well, I will be an eternal slave of my indecision, right? In other words, freedom is not a goal in itself. Freedom has as a purpose to make a decision. Freedom realizes itself in the decision. And there's a beautiful idea that John Paul II, the great, talked about a lot. He said, the human person has a greater desire for love than he does for freedom. Freedom is the means and love is the goal. Because it's obviously true that for love you need freedom. You can't say to somebody, hey, you've got to love me, understand? That's what we said at the beginning of Mass. There's some things that you can only receive as a gift and love is certainly one of those things, right? So if that's true, then that means though that, you know, again, love, or better said, freedom is there to make a decision. 
But the question is, there's decisions that can kind of destroy freedom. If I make a decision to walk on top of this church and jump down, well, that decision just has destroyed my freedom because it can scrape me off the tarmac like a priest of strawberry jam, glory, glory, hallelujah. No, you know the song. But that's not leading to freedom, right? I mean, there's, we can think, do things that totally destroy our freedom through a free decision. So the question is, what leads to true freedom? What makes me really free? And I think the gospel kind of about from today it gives us some kind of maybe a, some ideas how, how, how that can happen. I was, I was reading a book from Edith Stein the other day. She's a, um, a, a, a Jewish philosopher that converted to Catholicism, was killed by the Nazis. And she was reflecting on this and said, you know, the, the, the more we come to God... The higher we climb up to God, the deeper we climb down to ourselves. And she, she said that because if we are images of God and God is love, the closer we come to this God who is love, the more we try to imitate Him, the more we try to understand what love is, the more we try to live love in our lives, the greater I begin to understand, the more I begin to understand who I am as a person right? The human person is a mystery to himself, says John Paul II, until he has discovered love. He can't understand who he is. So the, great, the more we come to him, not just with our intellects, but with everything that we are and everything that we do, the more we begin to understand who I am. Now, this who I am as a person is that through which I possess myself. And that through which I can give myself a determination. That through which I can make decisions. But the problem is, and this is kind of almost a paradox, a lot of times we are not living with ourselves. We are not in our deepest center. We're everywhere else but there. And I think this is the image that the gospel is presenting to us. No, there's a lot of voices, there's a lot of sounds that are making me deaf to the deepest longings, the deepest yearnings of my own heart. So often. How often are we lived rather than living? How often is what is influencing me the expectations of someone else, the expectations of my partner, the expectations of my mother-in-law, the expectations of my mom, the expectations that my university has upon me, the expectations that I have maybe even placed upon myself because I put myself on a pedestal and think, you know, well, I've got to be perfect. I've got to be like this or I have to be like that. And so often that just destroys our freedom because we are being lived by expectations. Or how often are we being lived by our egotism? Or how often are we being lived by the pure pressure of other people? Or how often are we lived by advertising? We think we're free, but really we're not free at all. We're just, we're just being lived by others. We're being lived by circumstances. We're being lived by expectations. And this is the challenge, not to go deeply into ourselves. I don't know if you, know, if you remember the movie Invictus with Morgan Freeman and um, I think, who's the producer? Clint Eastwood, I think. Yeah, Clint Eastwood, he was the producer. It's a story of Nelson Mandela. You might remember the story, how he was... And, well, okay, we won't go into that, but the fact is that he was many years in prison in a, in a, 
in a Einzelhaft, I've forgotten how you say that in English, but in an individual, individual cell, right, just for himself. And he comes out and he forgives everybody who put him there. You know, 20 years in prison. And he tells his story to, in the movie to this rugby captain who he's trying to convince, hey guys, you know, we've got to try, trying to find a way of reintegrating our society between the black population and the white population. And as the black population was totally against rugby because it was a symbol of apartheid and the white population was totally for it. If we can bring it about that the black population is also behind the rugby in this World Cup that there was in 1996 in South Africa, then maybe we can bring, help to bring some reconciliation to this country. Well, I mean, it's a beautiful story, a human interest story. We don't have time to go into that. The point is, that I'm trying to make is, he, he tells the captain, and trying to inspire him to greatness, and saying, you know what helped me so often in those years in prison was this poem from the Victorian times called Invictus. And this poem ends with these beautiful two last lines. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. My head is bloody and unbowed. But I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Now this capacity of decision-making because I'm in charge deeply within myself. And again, the invitation, I think, of Christ and what he's trying to do with this blind man is to break through all that armor that sometimes we have around our soul that we don't permit ourselves to look at ourselves. St. Augustine says very beautifully about God, you have brought me forth from behind my back because that's where I've hidden in order not to look myself in the mirror. Beautiful, beautiful image, no? You've, you've kind of pulled me from behind my own back because that's why I had hidden myself in order not to have to look at myself in the mirror. And the beautiful thing is when we come to God and we realize He doesn't have any expectations. He's, he's accepting me as I am. You know, this glance of God, this glance of love which is looking at me and where I don't have to put on a mask, I don't have to pretend to be anybody else, I don't have to make up some nice story of who I am but I'm really not. I don't have to put on a facade and constantly keep up this facade so people think that about me, which totally just is a beautiful way for constant frustration because opinions of others constantly changes. And I don't have to do any of that, but I can just be before God who I am. And that's so beautiful because it starts helping me to look maybe even in places in my own heart which I would otherwise never look at. I'd be afraid to look at them because I'm afraid that somebody else is not going to accept that when they see that. And I can start moving around within myself and just being at home with myself because I'm at home with God. And he, he, he tries to then slowly, little by little, help me to understand the own depth of my being, my own call to love, my own call to greatness. He tries to inspire me to live out my freedom, not in that I'm constantly lived by others, but that I'm following the depths of what I have in my own heart. John Paul II, again to quote him once more, has this beautiful idea. He says, we cannot, we should not cast our hearts into a constant state of suspicion because the deepest longings of the human heart are totally right. They're totally correct. 
Very often they're covered with egotism. Very often they're covered with expectations. Very often they're covered by peer pressure. Very often they're covered by many other things. But if once we start taking all that away, we start discovering ourselves because we're discovering God. My invitation to you and to myself is maybe this week to take some time to go into silence. The beautiful image here that we see in the gospel, he took, them, he took him away from the crowd. You know, he took him away from the crowd and he starts speaking to him and he starts touching him to change his life. How often it's this crowd, this noise from outside that doesn't allow us to come in contact with ourselves. Maybe it would be nice, maybe a little resolution, no, nothing else from this from this homily is, is to take some minutes this week to sit in a church in silence and just try to speak to God in a simple way. God, who am I? God, help me discover who I am. Help me to discover my deepest longings. Help me discover what I have in my heart. Help me to find true freedom. Help me to go the path of true freedom. Help me to go the path that which helps me to make a decision which will help me to realize myself and to understand that the greatness of the human person is that he is the image of a God who is love and is calling us to love. Amen.